0: by chapter, and we still have the half of uh, the book left, Uh, but we're taking this little bit of an intermission, if you will, uh, to talk about Advent, and in Advent, we'll be talking about uh, the prophet Isaiah, and what you just heard uh, was Isaiah chapter 35, Uh, and it begins with this idea of waiting. And I know for a lot of us, we don't really like that word because waiting is so difficult. Like we talked about last week, we are in this culture where we want everything now. Now, now, now. It's like this now syndrome that we all have. And so this idea of waiting is difficult. But many of us sitting down right where we're at are going through a season of waiting. Maybe for a long time. Maybe for just a moment. Or, or maybe you're not, but, but you will in the future. But this idea uh, of Advent is, uh, will we wait well? If the way that we wait will actually impact the direction of our life. And so again, Isaiah chapter uh, 35, uh, as we uh, begin Advent. And, and, and I love Advent because... It's a Christmas spirit, right? We finally, uh, I don't know what what school you're a part of, but uh, for me, Christmas celebration doesn't start until uh, Thanksgiving is over, okay? So that's that's just me. I know that's highly controversial, uh, but uh, it starts now. And and, and Christmas gets super busy, doesn't it? I mean, you gotta get all the presents, uh, and then you gotta get the lights going on. And and, and for me, uh, I'll just go off a little tangent a little bit. I felt like my life was so busy and so chaotic, doing other things that all my neighbors' houses were all lit up uh, with Christmas lights, and, and it was all Christmas spirited. Uh, but here was my house. All right, I was that neighbor, right? We maybe you're that neighbor as well. That just is kind of like the Grinch that has no lights, no decorations, nothing, and you kind of just ruin it for the whole neighborhood. Uh, but something <laughs> something happened a few days ago where I was coming home from dinner. It's probably like nine, nine thirty uh, PM, and, and usually when I uh, pull up to my uh, neighborhood, my street, it's really dark. Uh, there's not a lot of street lights, uh, and, and I just expect to go into kind of a dark kind of driveway. Uh, and as I was driving, all of a sudden, I was going to the street, and it was really bright right at my house. Uh, and I thought, uh, well, that's really strange because it's usually not bright. Uh, in fact, it wasn't just bright like with lights. It was like blue and green and purple and all these lights. And I was like, "What is going on?" I drive up to my house, and all of a sudden, my house there's lights everywhere, like on my house, uh, on the roof, on the on uh, the trees and the bushes. And then, what I thought was a lit up reindeer, I later realized it was a lit up pink unicorn. It uh, was in my yard. And all I got, and it was a pathway of life. It was, it was amazing. And I was like, hey, oh, Merry Christmas, everybody. What is going on? I get this note on my door uh, that said, Prentice, uh, hope you're not on Santa's naughty list. Uh, sincerely, Bethany Elves. And so uh, I don't actually know. I got some ideas. I don't actually know who, who did this. Uh, but I was very nice that I'm no longer that house uh, and my house is decorated with a pink unicorn, and it's wonderful. Uh, again, I don't, I don't know who it is, but side note, uh, if you're missing a, a, your car keys, I found in my uh, front yard. I'm sure it's not connected, uh, but if that's you, come find me. I brought those keys uh, to, give, to give back to you. So all that to say is we get crazy around Christmas. And, and, and no wonder that in the very season of waiting of Advent, that is the last thing we want to do because we're so busy with everything else. And so here we go. We get to Isaiah 35. Let me pray really quickly and, and we'll finish this off. God, thank you so much uh, for this season of Advent that, that it. That we await your arrival. It's not just something that we just jump into on Christmas. We have weeks and weeks and weeks to reflect on what that means to us. And so, God, whether uh, we've been going to church for a long time, maybe this is the first time in a church, uh, may we actually reflect what that means for us. And and for many of us, uh, that's going to require waiting. And many of us are waiting Many of us have been waiting. Many of us are still waiting. Many of us will wait for a long time uh, or until until tomorrow. But in the midst of all of that, may we wait well. In your name we pray, amen. Uh, I I love this uh, quote from Viktor Frankl from a book called Man Searching for Meaning. And he says this, between stimulus and response, uh, there is a space. And in that space is our power, I want to say that again, in that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. I love this quote, and what you have to know about Viktor Frankl is that he was somebody who was uh, in uh, a detention center, in an incarceration camp, uh, during uh, the World War II, And during this time, uh, he had time to wait. And in this time of waiting, uh, really for a lot of people, waiting ultimately for their death, uh, he was asking the question that between what is happening now and the way I respond, there's a way that I can respond and react uh, and think and to move and to worship that will determine my life. And so what he's saying is this. I'll give you a little bit of visual. Uh, There's an action Okay, And this is for everybody. There's an action, something, a stimulus happens to us, and, and then there's a reaction. Right? We all know what that feels like, to, to, have, it, to have an action happen to us, and then we react to it. And, but what we have to realize, and what Viktor Frankl is saying, is between action and reaction, there's a space. There's a space that could potentially be life-giving. There's a space that could actually be liberating. There's a space uh, that will give you freedom. But the opposite is also true. That between action and reaction in that space uh, is an opportunity not to be life-giving and not to be set free, but the very opposite, to be continually in bondage, to continually be angry, to continually be cuffed by bitterness. Uh, There's that space in between. And for for many of us, that space is wide between action and reaction. And for some of us, that space is very very small. And we've all uh, experienced a shortened line between action and reaction, haven't we? I mean, let's just get really practical here. Have you ever had an opportunity uh, where maybe your child or maybe a spouse or a friend uh, or a coworker maybe upsets you, maybe says the wrong thing, and I already see some of you guys kind of doing this to your neighbor, uh, somehow upsets you, and your automatic reaction in a second uh, is to get upset. Maybe it's to yell, maybe it's to name call, maybe it's to do something, whatever it is. And then, uh, because I know how, how compassionate and how empathetic you, many of you are, uh, we're filled with regret. Right? Have you ever said that? Like, man, I wish I didn't speak that way. Man, I, I, I wish I can turn back time because even though this person hurt me, I wouldn't have responded in such manner. Even though this action happened to me, I wish I didn't respond in the way that I did. Because that distance between action and reaction was so short. Because what we failed to do uh, during that time was essentially what we're talking about today is to wait. And and so what if we asked ourselves, and many of us do, What if during that time between my action and reaction, what if I had just waited just a couple minutes? What if I just waited for a couple days? What if I waited in order to respond the way I truly wanted to rather than shorten that distance between A to B and just respond what was just emotionally on the top of my head? Things would probably be different. It, things would probably uh, be more easily reconcilable. Maybe things may be more uh, easily to repair, or, or maybe you take a different route rather than anger or yelling or whatever it is, uh, because that that moment of waiting and processing, you got to decide who you want it to be. Because what Viktor Frankl is saying is uh, between stimulus and response, we get to choose who gets to show up. And so the question, not just here, but in in Isaiah is answering that question, is between stimulus and response, in your time of waiting, and and we've all been waiting, maybe some of us are waiting for healing because of an illness, maybe some of us are waiting because relationships are broken, maybe some of us are waiting because of loneliness, And, and I'll tell you what, I know that we talk about how amazing the holidays are. How incredible is fun filled and food and, and relationships and joy and laughter. Uh, but as a pastor, I get the privilege of walking alongside people, especially during the holidays, where that just simply isn't true. It isn't. And, and, and in the season of loneliness and anxiety and depression, uh, still the question remains: in that time of waiting, who do you choose? To be, and whoever you choose to be, you have the capacity to receive life and freedom and joy, depending on who you choose to be during that time of waiting. And in Isaiah chapter five. Uh, You know, we begin quickly. It says, the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like a crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. There's this futuristic talk of of Isaiah uh, to the people. So Isaiah was a prophet. And the prophet's job was to speak on behalf of God. And so what Isaiah is doing all throughout the entire book, which is divided in a few different sections, three different sections, uh, but what Isaiah is doing, he's addressing, is what, he's addressing what is happening to the Israel, to the people. And he's saying, right now, you're in this season of waiting, but while you're waiting, you need to trust because something beautiful is about to happen, but you have to decide how you want to Wait. Because the way you wait, whether you wait well or poorly, is going to determine what happens here. And so the, the backdrop that Isaiah is talking to and the people that are talking to it is this. Uh, it, this was happening in the 8th century. And I just want you guys to get a big picture of what's happening in order for us to understand what Isaiah was talking about when he was encouraging his people to wait. Wait. There was two kingdoms during this time, and I don't know if you can see this, uh, but there's uh, modern-day Israel, uh, you know, in the Mediterranean, if you guys have been there, I've been there. It's a beautiful place. Back uh, in the ancient Near East, particularly around the 8th century, it was divided into two kingdoms. Israel was divided into two kingdoms, the the northern kingdom uh, was actually what's called Israel. Israel was the northern kingdom. And the southern kingdom was called Judah, where Jerusalem was at. And what we have to understand about Israel's history is that uh, these two kingdoms have been battling, uh, and yet they have been oppressed and and, and even marginalized and taken into captivity, which we would call the exile. Both Israel and Judah, at one point or another, uh, were taken into exile. Israel uh, in the 8th century, which is what uh, Isaiah is talking about right now, uh, was taken into exile uh, by Assyrians. So Assyrians would be their eastern neighbors, uh, modern day, probably northern Iraq, that would be Assyria. Uh, they would come in and, and they would uh, remove any rites of worship, they would kill all the leaders, and any bodies that were able to work, they would ship them to Assyria to build the Assyrian kingdom. And then later on in the 6th century, this is B.C., by the way, so that's why it's going down, uh, Judah, same thing happened to Judah with the Babylonians. And so many of us, we've heard of the Babylonian uh, exile, where they were exiled into Babylon uh, because of uh, the rebellion against God. And and so what Isaiah is talking about uh, right now, the 8th century, was to Israel. To Israel. To Israel who is right now in captivity in Assyria, saying, I know that things are bad. And and bad is an understatement. You're living a life of captivity, of slavery. Uh, Your loved ones are being killed or being shipped off only to work and be slaves to the Assyrian gods. And yet... Uh, Isaiah has the audacity to say, the wilderness and and, and the dry land, these are all metaphors of what's happening. There's dryness happening uh, in their waiting. But he says, don't you worry. There shall be gladness in the desert. One through two. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. Are you kidding me, Isaiah? Do you know what's happening? I mean, you have to understand the prophets, uh, they spoke very unpopular words. uh, And the people that were listening were thinking, this guy's crazy. And yet in the midst of what's happening in Israel, in exile, what uh, Isaiah is saying is, it feels like the wilderness right now. I mean, you know what it feels like. Many of you uh, know what it feels like to be in the wilderness, and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. What? Like the crocus, which is like a plant, it's a beautiful flower. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of uh, Carmel and Sharon, beautiful places. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. See, what, it, what Isaiah is talking about is Seasons. In this ancient climate, there were extreme seasons in Israel. There are seasons, uh, uh, we have seasons, we have four seasons, uh, so we understand what that looks like. But in this ancient times, uh, the, the hardest season for us, maybe it's snow or the rainy season. For them, it's the opposite. In the ancient Near East, the hardest season is actually in the heat. Because it was so dry and so hot, it would just kill everything off. It would be hard for uh, even animals and plants and and things to to survive. And so Isaiah is using this metaphor, saying to the people right now, it feels like the extreme heat of Israel where everything is just dying off. Everything is dry. Nothing is growing. There's no life. Isaiah is saying, I understand that you are going through this season right now. But he says, don't you worry. Well, the beautiful part of, of Isaiah chapter 35 is, is that this is what theologians would call uh, exilic. So this is during the exile. And, and then there's, there's other literature actually later on in Isaiah which is called post-exilic. Meaning uh, this is the words that Isaiah is saying after they have returned from exile. And yet, Isaiah has the audacity during the exilic time, where the post exilic, where the, the return hasn't happened yet, still Isaiah has faith and confidence in God uh, to say, uh, Yes, you're going through a season. Isaiah, I can imagine, is saying, I don't know the end of the story. I don't know that you are going to receive all the. I don't even know that you're going to survive. I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. And for many of us, I feel like uh, this is the same message that we need to hear. We're in this season of uncertainty. Uh, We don't know how something is going to uh, play out or come alive or if things are going to be better or not. And yet, still in the midst of that season, Isaiah says, uh, in that dryness, there will be joy. There will be blossoming. There will be life. So he's comparing two different seasons, seasons of dryness, of death, of just things where nothing is coming alive, and saying, in that season, don't you worry. Essentially, just as the moon circles, just as the seasons go, just like the the days go, there will be a different season that is at hand that will blossom abundantly. And I love Uh, these words in three to four. It says, says, therefore, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are are of a fearful heart, be strong. Hmm. Do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible, terrible recompense. He will come and save you. I mean, I just have to imagine people just really scratching their heads at Isaiah. You don't know the ending, Isaiah. You don't know what's going to happen. And, and many of us, I hear that all the time, and, and, I, and it feels so cliche when I'm up here, and even when I'm meeting with people, I'm saying, God, we got to be confident and, and trust that God will come through. And oftentimes the response is, maybe it is to Isaiah, maybe it's to me. Prince, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know how long I've been waiting, whether it's for healing or for a relationship or for this brokenness to come together, whether it's for financial stability, whether it's for a job. You, you don't know what I'm going through. And the answer is yes, I, I don't know. But what I believe and what I trust and actually what I've dedicated, literally have dedicated my life to is this. Is that the cross, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ will always have the last word. And I talk about that week after week after week. And that's Isaiah's message as well. Even during this time of dryness, of death, of slavery, uh, of the people being oppressed, there will be a time when things will get better. And in the avenue by in which things get better, Isaiah even projects, even in earlier chapters, uh, in chapter 7, where he says, there will be a, a man, a Messiah, born of a virgin birth. Does that sound familiar to you? This is centuries and centuries before that was even written in John. He says, there will be a, a Messiah born of a virgin birth. His name will be Emmanuel. And if we connect the dots, especially us as a church today, we can experience what they're experiencing uh, in the 8th century with the Assyrian captivity and and yet uh, have hope and find joy in the fact that through the Messiah that was spoken about in Isaiah, that was spoken about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, that is the same Messiah that we worship and that we await today. And what's interesting is is as we wait for Christ, as we await the birth of our Messiah, of our Savior, it doesn't mean that life will be perfect. It doesn't mean that we'll have all the answers. It doesn't mean that things will always go the way that we want it to go. But what it does mean is during those seasons where it doesn't, during those seasons where, where we have an opportunity to wait, we can wait in confidence. We can wait in confidence because why? Because Emmanuel, God with us. And my prayer and my hope throughout this Advent season is that that we will all remember uh, is that in this time of waiting, that God is with us. That God is with, with, with you, God is with me, Emmanuel, God is with us. Do you trust that? Do, do you believe that? And so uh, as I was uh, trying to find a way to just stamp this sermon with a happy ending, I, I, I want to do this. I just want to end with, a little bit with, with just a question. Hey, whatever you're going through in this time of waiting, will you trust? Will you believe that God is with you? And, and know that once we believe that God is with us, that changes everything. And, and I love this part where it says, Be strong, do not fear. We've heard this all over the Old Testament, even the New Testament, uh, and it refers back to Joshua when he leads his people uh, uh, into the promised land. And Joshua says, all right, God, you've taken us out of slavery, and you're bringing us into the land filled with milk and honey, but we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's there. There's enemies. There's obstacles. Uh, We don't know what to do. And simply, uh, God says, be strong. Do not fear. In your waiting, be strong. Do not fear. There'll be moments where you will be in this season of waiting. And I love this word, recompense. It's a Hebrew Hebrew word, gemel. It means there will be a benefit, a terrible benefit, And the same word is often used as a baby being cut off from a mother's milk. Gemel. Meaning that there's a season and a time where it's going to be very difficult. When the baby is cut off from the mother's milk and enters into the next season of the baby's life. Next phase of the baby's life. It's difficult, it's hard, and yet it's necessary For growth, for freedom, for development. And and here it says, uh, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God, he will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. And it may feel awful. This time of waiting may feel awful. But in this time of waiting, in this awful it may feel like it's been, you're being cut off, but what if it's a time of development and growth? What if it's a time where you get to show up and choose who you decide to be, and A, it can be life-giving, or it can set you back. Who do you choose to be during this time of waiting? In Luke chapter 1, uh, which is a fulfillment of what Isaiah is saying, he says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town uh, in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. His kingdom will never end. The Messiah the, the Messiah that Isaiah was talking about in all of Isaiah comes to fulfillment here in Luke. And as Jesus comes, as Messiah, the words are, do not be afraid. And it sounds so cliche. It sounds like such a youth group answer. In your time of waiting, do not be afraid because God is with you. But my hope is that in that time of trust, when I ask you, will you trust that as we trust that God is with us in that season of waiting, whatever waiting that might be, that will bring you freedom and joy. And even in the midst of uncertainty that you can feel confident that God is with you and God is up to something. And maybe I'm going to actually invite Chelsea back up here as we end with a time of reflection and response. But what if this is a time where we kick off Advent, where you have to ask yourself, ask God, God, what am I waiting for? In what areas of our lives are we waiting? And are we waiting well? Are we waiting with impatience? Are we waiting with bitterness and anger? Or are we waiting in a way that is life-giving, saying that, Emmanuel, God is with me. And I trust that whatever I'm waiting for will be played out. doesn't mean that we have zero responsibility. It means that whatever happens, God is with us, God is for us. And so, therefore, even in my time of waiting, I shall not be afraid. We wait well because God is up to something. During the time of exile, uh, theologians believe this, that from Egypt uh, to Israel, to Canaan, to to the land filled with milk and honey, God says, I'm going to take you out of slavery and I'm going to take you directly to the promised land. And if they had a direct route from point A to point B, that would take no more than two weeks. It was a two week journey from getting to to Egypt to the land filled filled with milk and honey. But it didn't take them two weeks. It took them, the story goes, 40 years. Because they went through Sinai, they went to the mountains, they went through the wilderness, they got lost, they got discouraged. And many of them become un, became unfaithful. In that time of waiting, they said, God, we are under in slavery. You told me that you're going to take us out of slavery into the land filled with milk and honey. I'm waiting. Where are you? Hello? And they became unfaithful. Many of them. And yet some of them and their families, they made it. Joshua carried them through. And what we have to understand historically is with the Egyptian posts and military that if they would have went from straight uh, point A to point B because they didn't want to wait because they were impatient, they didn't trust. It, had they just gone right through, they would have been wiped out. They would have all been killed because that was a major uh, a pathway, major way between two uh, big cities. And there would have been uh, Egyptian military posts all over that route. And what many scholars and theologians believe is that had they gone on that easy two week trip from point A to point B, they would have been wiped out. So instead, they took the long routes. They didn't know where they were going, they got lost. They did circles. Many of us were right there. Many of us were doing circles. Many of us, we, don't, we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. But just like the Israelites, as God led them to the promised land, God is with you. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Let me pray. God, thank you so much that today's message is so simple. That the question is, will we trust? And in the midst of will we trust, may we not be afraid. Gotta pray for all of us, including myself, who, who are in a season of waiting, that we will wait well, that we will wait knowing that you are with us. And in that time of waiting, we will worship you, we will trust you, we will surrender to you, knowing that you will come through in ways that we can never imagine, never can dream of. And we thank you for that confidence. For those of us that have a hard time believing, God, may we, myself included, again, give us the faith that we need to wait in a way that glorifies you. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. As you reflect, I'm gonna invite the ushers forward. We will uh, partake in the Lord's Supper this morning. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, He says, take this bread. This is my body that was broken for you. And then he says, take this cup, drink of it. This is my blood that was shed for you. And and so this morning, uh, as the ushers come forward, uh, they will say, this is Jesus' body that was broken for you. This is his blood that was uh, shed for you. May we, in the season of Advent, Know that Jesus was born to live, but also to die. And the story of Christmas and the story of Easter are deeply connected. And you can't have one without the other. And so in this time of waiting, may we t- partake in the Lord's Supper and saying, as we wait, we will wait in confidence Knowing that as Christ was born to be with us, he died and resurrected to give us life and life abundantly. Come when you're ready.